1: Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I am the Senior Wealth Advisor and Founder of the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 Capital Drive. We're in that great, big, beautiful town bank building. We're also on the village of Whitefish Bay in the Equitable Bank Building, which is Kitty Corner from Winkies. We also service clients at Bonita Springs, Florida. And if you'd like to know more about us, if you'd like to put a face with a name, you can go to um, ellenbecker.com. My guest today is Dr. Jack Singer, and he has been a guest many times in the past. And it's always just a pleasure to learn more about some of the psychology of what's going on in the world, but also with investing. Um, Dr. Jack has been a professional sports psychologist for more than 27 years. He has worked with three Olympic gold medal winners and hundreds of elite athletes. And now he teaches all professionals the same blueprint for ultimate success and resiliency over stress. The author of four books and more than 197 articles in business, sports, psychology, and financial service periodicals. And he has served in the faculties of five universities including an assistant professorship at the U.S. Air Force Academy. Welcome to the show,
0: Jack. Thank you, Karen. It's so wonderful to be back here again. And uh, as you may recall, you were a participant in my book that I wrote for financial advisors.
1: Yes, yes, and that was such an honor. And you know, one of the things that I mentioned when I opened is that you really are trying to create a, a stress-free investment. And one of the things that we say at Ellen Becker Investment Group is that we're trying to create a stress-free investment for our clients, so they can sleep at night, and so I can sleep at night. But we've been through so many things: the pandemic and the the up and downs of the market. And I'm wondering what you have noticed out there. What what is difference from you know i've been in the business over 30 some years and it certainly has had its gyrations what what do you notice is happening
0: well what's happening is a lot of people who used to feel very secure begin to question whether they're going to outlive their finances and whether they're really as secure and safe as they thought they were and that's where i sort of come in to explain to them that uh, and of course the investment advisor like yourself to explain to them that nothing has really changed in terms of strategy, in terms of uh, the way you work with their portfolios, the way that you make them feel safe because you have contingencies planned for ahead of time. And even though markets are unpredictable, there's a strategy at a core value that you provide for your clients that keeps them safe. So, but a lot of people don't realize that and they have to be reminded because when something dramatic happens, like the market drops uh, rather quickly and they're worried about the future and inflation and is the market ever going to come back, they have to be reminded that there are built-in safeguards to protect them in this area and they have to be patient.
1: You know, I think you're 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 truly right on it, because our clients, we work very hard with education. And during this crazy market and volatility, the pandemic mm-hmm. and so much uncertainty and people dying. And, you know, all of a sudden being faced with um, some everybody knowing somebody that had some story associated with it. Our clients didn't like what was happening, but they didn't panic. And um, I always say nobody jumps off a roller coaster when it's moving, uh, but yet a lot of people were really feeling. Um, that they were sort of being abandoned. And, you know, Jack, one of the things that I'm curious about, and is that, you know, you've made this leap and bound from, um, working with athletes and gold medalists and how did you ever associate and bring together that there was a common ground between people and investing between advisors, working with investors and athletes?
0: Well, that's an interesting question, Karen. What happened was um, I was very happy as a sports psychologist. And then I had an epiphany one day when a business executive said to me, I understand you've worked with Olympic uh, athletes uh, and you've been successful. Why can't you use the same strategies you've used with them with business people? And it struck me that that makes so much sense. If it works for an athlete, it can work for anybody because Everybody, whether you're an athlete, a doctor, a lawyer, uh, you know, a business person, a salesperson, you all have certain skill sets that you need to develop to be successful. And just like most athletes, most people who aren't athletes are never as successful as they could be. So I twisted my (laughs) thinking to start working with everybody and teach them how to be successful with the least stress. So it's not just athletes that have to do this, but everyone can do this financial advisors like yourself, salespeople, and I, I do seminars and workshops for doctors, lawyers, you name it, entrepreneurs, they all learn the same blueprint for, for success.
1: You know, Jack, one thing that is curious to me is, you know, as you help people to create a less stress-free an environment so that they can sort of be the best that they are, they can really do the things that they're best at. Um, one of the things that I really I don't know, this is an area that maybe you could help people with is when they get to that point that they can really enjoy life and let go of working and let go of the connection to their business and start to bring other people in to run it. Um, There's so much stress around that. And I always say, when I did some of that transitioning with my daughter, nobody wants anyone to change their baby's clothes. And so you get them to this point and there they are, And they've had this great environment. And now the stress all comes back again, because now they have to kind of let go of that um, level that they've achieved. And, and it's hard because even myself, I think, boy, I'm the best that I've ever been at knowing the financial realm. And now I should retire.
0: No, I understand exactly what you're saying. I'm facing the same issues myself. Uh, you know, they, I could certainly retire if I wanted to, but I get so much pleasure out of what I do that I choose not to retire. This is the way I wanna keep working. And a lot of people can keep doing that, but some don't have a choice. For example, if they work for a company and they may be forced to retire from that company at a certain age. And that's when people start panicking because their whole ego has been, wrapped up in their business. And now what are they going to do without the business? So I devise a program I do for people just in that situation, people facing retirement, and the program is called how to live much longer than your kids hope you would. <laughs> which is a funny subject title, but it's just, it's the psychology of life extension. And I talk about the things you can do in retirement. That will enhance your health and your well-being instead of deteriorating your health and well-being because you're no longer in the profession.
1: Oh, that is, you know, I have to admit, though, I had a client several years ago and finally the husband retired. And the next time they came in, she pulled me off to the side and she said, Karen, you've got to get him a job.
0: (laughs) Well, you know, I suggest to people that there's plenty of places to volunteer and feel useful and important. Uh, There are plenty of hobbies that people can develop. Uh, that they should, and the most one of the most important psychological ingredients is maintaining a support network of family and friends. So many people isolate themselves after they retire, and that is a very unhealthy thing to do. One of the key ingredients of longevity is having a healthy support system.
1: Well, I know there was a study done um, years and years ago where they took uh, men from the breadline, and they took men, um, the same amount of men who were Ivy League students. And they they look watched them over a period of like 50 years. And they said that um, what the study revealed was what true happiness was and true happiness was having someone that had your back. And it didn't necessarily mean a wife or a spouse, it could be kids. And it wasn't about money. It was that it was having that person that when you know, the feet met the road, there was someone there for you.
0: And Absolutely. I thought that was fascinating. It, it's it's And it's critically important, especially after the death of a spouse, for example, people go into serious depressions and fears and things like that. They need to have a support network so they can, their life is not over because of the death of a spouse. They can be sad and grieve and so forth, but they need to know that they can go on to another chapter and build a, you know, Uh, other kinds of activities that they can get a lot of benefit from, even though they had poured all of their emotional energy into that spouse.
1: You know, you brought up a a, a thought that I just had with the word depression. Um, There is, and and through a death, but also leaving work, um, all of a sudden finding that, as you said earlier, that you're totally associated yourself with your business. And it's almost like a a situational depression where some people hear that word depression and they take it as such a negative, but I recently had a knee replacement and all of a sudden I felt myself falling into this abyss, you know, and I realized that I was really sort of being depressed. I'm not a depressed person, but in that situation, I was experiencing it.
0: Yeah. What happens is, um, depression, like anxiety or any other emotion, is not caused by events in your life. So your depression, if if you had depression, was not caused by your knee replacement. It was caused by the conversation you had in your head about that knee replacement. (laughs) So all of our emotions, and we'll talk about this more perhaps after the break, but all of these emotions that people have are not caused by events that they find themselves in, but it's the conversation. So if you said to yourself, My body is failing me. Am I getting old? What's wrong with me? Gosh,
1: Were you you in my head?
0: (laughs) That's causing the depression. On the other hand, if you said to yourself, wow, I needed a knee replacement for some time. Now I have it. I'm as good as new. Things will be even better. I won't get tired when I walk upstairs, things like that. Then you don't get depressed from the exact same situation. So everything that I do in training people is teaching them how to understand the language that's going on in their head and how to change it to something more healthy.
1: You know, Jack, you mentioned that we're going to take a, a break in a second. And I know when we were, we're now talking about depression and which I think stress is part of that. And I know that you say that none of these challenges that we face today cause our stress. And you're absolutely right what was going through my head. It's like, oh my gosh, will I ever, will I ever feel the same again? And um, I do remember I was talking to a friend the other day and he's been suffering through this whole dilemma of, of COVID. And he went to a COVID study, and uh, an aftermath and the doctor who was a psychologist like you, um, he said, What am I going to do? I just feel terrible. And he said, Well, let me ask you a couple questions. When you get up in the morning. Um, do you make your bed? And he said, Why, well, I guess I don't always And and then he said, when you get up in the morning, do you uh, do you shower every day? And my friend said, No, you know, I always don't. And he said, Well, when you went to work, did you always make your bed? And did you always get up and shower? And my friend realized exactly what you were saying, is that it was his own talking. And he said, instead of having a pity party saying, why me, he said, what's next for me? That's correct, which is great. And let's talk about that when we come back from the break, because I know that's got to be part of um, what you're talking about with stress. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. My guest today is Dr. Jack Singer. And as we talked earlier, he's a professional sports psychologist for more than 27 years. But he has figured out a way to really help everybody in terms of understanding who they are, what they are, and how they can release stress in their lives. And one of the questions I asked uh, Dr. Jack earlier before break was that he has said that uh, most of us think that we understand what causes our stress, but Really, when you get down to it, um, none of the challenges we face today really are the reason um, that we feel stress. And I always say uh, it's never it's never about the grapes. It's always about something else. So, Dr. Jack, what do you think of that?
0: Well, that's that's very true. The the problem we have is that we overthink too many things. and so, for example, if you're saying to yourself, what if the pandemic never ends? What if there's another version of the pandemic? What if this, what if that?" the two words, worst words ever put together in the English language are what if, because after you say, what if to yourself, the brain starts thinking there's something wrong happening and it starts tightening up the body, preparing for some kind of danger. So I always tell people when they recognize they're saying, what if, sort of snap a rubber band on your wrist and immediately change it to so what what's the worst that can happen for example if you said what if there's another strain of the pandemic the response to that is not oh my gosh the sky is falling what are we going to do the response is they will figure out what to do in terms of the vaccines just like they did this time and i will be fine so that's the difference in looking at the future as a dark hole versus a bright sky for example. And, it's, and you can control it. We control what we think about, but we've developed core negative habits. I call them iceberg core beliefs that we don't even know we have unless someone makes you aware of it. And they're, they're called iceberg core beliefs, El, uh, Karen, because most of it is below the surface unconscious. Only a little of it are you aware of, like an iceberg. So uh, an example of a core belief is um, I need to avoid confrontations at all costs. So that means that you've gone through life avoiding things that would make you feel better and having letting people take advantage of you. Or another one is, um, I can't change my mindset. It's built into me through my DNA. I am who I am. Absolutely not true. Research shows clearly you can change your mindset if you think about it and work on it. Uh, another one would be, uh, you know, always fly under the radar, don't make waves. You know, people do that. And they really don't assert themselves the way they need to assert themselves in certain situations. So I look at people in terms of what their core beliefs are, and then we find the ones that are unhealthy and start to work on changing them. Once you do that, then your thinking changes from always negative to positive and hopeful.
1: You know, Jack, one of the things that I've noticed is that um we're going through a time now where we've got all these elections coming up and there's so much negative publicity and then when we were in the pandemic you know bad news sells 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 news um I think that's really hard for a lot of people. And I see that in the stock market. Um, a client will say, oh, my gosh, you know, it's the whole world is falling. We're going to go into a recession. We're not going to have any money. And I said, but look at what you own. I don't know what they own, <laughs> but I can oh. tell you what you own and how your portfolio will react to that. And I think it's true with our bodies. I mean, I really always felt that I was going to be OK with this pandemic. And I didn't panic, but I know my body. And I rely on that knowingness, but I think a lot of people um, get sucked into the news and they get sucked into the media and they don't know how to differentiate between the world and between themselves.
0: That's such a valid point. Uh, One of the things I tell all of my clients is to stop watching negative news. I mean, that's hard to do sometimes because it seems to be everywhere, but you need to fill your life with things that are pleasant, that'll make you laugh, for example, like situation comedies or funny movies instead of concentrating 24-7 on the bad news coming from one of the networks or the other. Uh, Because you can't change certain things in the news. So why are you going to sit there and worry about it and suffer about it? You're better off focusing on the things you can change and the things you can work on. And you're exactly right. I talk to clients of advisors all the time who say to me, what if I don't have enough money because the market never comes back? And I talk to them about there's no such thing as the market never comes back. Why are you <laughs> assuming that could happen? That has never ever happened at all, that the market never comes back. So people allow themselves to think irrationally, and once we understand where the thoughts are irrational, we can change them to something positive. Now you got into something that you didn't know you were getting into a minute ago, and I'd like to talk about that if I can. <laughs> okay. You were talking about your body our bodies are intricately linked to our minds and whatever we think translates immediately electronically to every and chemically to every cell in our body and we have something called the fight-or-flight nervous system and that is a nervous system that's built in to deal with danger so if for example um, you know that you were on a safari and a lion broke free and is coming after your safari truck It makes sense for the fight or flight nervous system to go on for you to protect yourself and uh, from being devoured by a lion. But when the stock market goes down precipitously, that is not death. That is not an emergency for you. Yet people react the same way because they let their minds go there. And when that happens, it starts tightening up muscles that don't need to be tightened. It's sending chemicals throughout your body that don't need to be doing that. And it actually diffuses your immune system because all the energy is to help you save your life, which is not necessary at that point. So people who are constantly worried and put themselves under stress are actually reducing their immune system and making themselves more vulnerable. So one of the things I teach people is how to stop that, you know, prevent that from happening so that your immune system always stays strong and healthy and you're not overreacting to news and things of that nature.
1: That's fantastic. And I know that it's absolutely true. Because um, in the midst of having this knee replacement, and I was driving a car, and I got into a horrendous car accident. And um, I'm really grateful to be alive. But um, I had such an euphoric feeling after it. And about four days later, I just hit the ground. I mean, I was okay, but all those chemicals and things that go through your body. i right. never experienced it. My doctor said, just be prepared that you're going to have this feeling. And I had, I didn't, I never experienced that before. It was exactly what you were talking about.
0: Yeah. And it, it happens all the time. I mean, uh, it's important for us to be wary of danger, like staying away from people if COVID is rampant and things like that. But other than that, most situations we're in do not provide danger, immediate danger. And yet we think about them in a way that turns on that fight or flight nervous system. That's the key to a lot of mental and emotional illnesses. And in fact, when I was in private practice for many, many years, um, physicians would refer patients to me all the time who had real symptoms, but they couldn't figure out anything wrong with them. The symptoms were caused by turning on the fight or flight nervous system and all the chemicals that were flowing through their bodies. So people would come to me with all kinds of pains that the orthopedist couldn't figure out the source of, or they were coming to me with allergies that suddenly sprang up and the allergist didn't understand what that was about, or they were coming to me with gastrointestinal problems and the GI doctor said all of his or her uh, lab work showed there's nothing wrong, but yet she's complaining of these symptoms. And all of these things are caused by the flow of chemicals that goes on when your thinking is irrational. So the key to everything is starting with what you're thinking and how you're interpreting a situation.
1: You know, Jack, we're going to take a quick break. But one of the things that we both talked about early on was how important it is to surround yourself with people who are really supportive and are there for you. And I just saw something the other day. And it said, you can't blame people who suck you dry if you continue to give them a straw. So when we come back, let's let's talk about that, the people, the things that surround you also, just like Uh, information on TV and how do you have the strength or the ability to separate yourself from things that aren't really in your best interest and with that we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. As I always say, I'm the founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. I've also been the host of Money Sense for over 34 years. And one of the things that was the the very reason that I started doing this show was because I did, I listened to a lot of other other radio shows, and I felt that they weren't giving really accurate advice that pertained to everybody. It was sort of like a one size fits all. And as we know, we're not a one size fits all society. Um, We're very human and we're very individual. And so in 34 years, I've never ever sold a product on this on this station. It's been um, two of the things that are most important to me and to my daughter and to um, our advisors is it's important to do education. And it's important to build trust and build relationships. Those are the ideal clients for us. And so we have guests like Dr. Jack, who's on today, Dr. Jack Singer, who is a psychologist, he's giving us some great tips on everyday living and practices that we could use that he used with athletes, and now he uses with everybody. Um, These are the things that are very important. And I've known Dr. Jack for a very long time, and we've developed a relationship. And I think that, you know, I also heard something that the only things that you take with you when you die, are the memories and the things that you've held heart in your heart. And I think the whole idea of helping people and Jack, that's what you do, um, fills a great big part of my heart and your heart. And we did talk about that in the last episode, what what can people do to surround themselves with people who are healthy and happy and the people who we want to emulate and be like,
0: you know, that's such a critical question, because unfortunately, a lot of people are trapped with negative folks around them. Sometimes they're related to them or they live in the same household, so it's hard to separate yourself from those people. And those people are always the naysayers that no matter what you say that's positive, they'll show you why that's not true or they'll show you the other side of that equation. And my advice to folks is you may not be able to divorce yourself from someone you live with or someone who's a relative, but you can divorce your thinking from the way they think. It doesn't matter what they say. You do not have to think the same way they do because their thoughts are gonna cause them mental and emotional uh, and healthy consequences that you don't wanna have. So if you wanna stay healthy, and that's why you know physicians refer people to me all the time because they want their patients to remain healthy and they know that a huge component of that is the emotional component and, and what you're saying to yourself. So uh, you need to find healthy people um, that think the way you do and, and have a lot in common with you that way and are very positive. Um, I'm advising clients all the time, Karen, that if someone is in your life that drags you down because they're always the naysayer that this isn't going to work and you have your head in the clouds and uh, and so, and they're never laughing they don't have a sense of humor they're not finding fun in life um, life is too short to be locked in with someone like that you need to disengage from those people and again if you can't leave them because they're family members just disregard what they say and find people who are the opposite who are encouraging people who who are looking to find the richness in life, regardless of the circumstances of what's going on, who are looking at the bright side, and instead of looking at a mountain in front of them, they're looking at the valley on the other side of the mountain, the lush green valley, because those are the healthy people. And if you surround yourselves with healthy people, you will absorb that same kind of energy.
1: You know, Jack, several years ago, I was actually interviewing a psychologist, uh, a child psychologist, and um, and we were talking about parents and just in general, people going into type of therapy. And she said, Karen, I don't deal with sick people. I deal with healthy people, people who want to get well. Sick people don't come to me if they don't want to get well. So it is truly a mindset and going to see someone like you can be critical in, in, someone's ability to do the things that you're talking about. But I love that. She said, I see healthy people, people who want a better life and want something different.
0: You know, one of the problems I had when I was in private practice and my practice was not just athletes. I was in clinical psychology practice as well, is that males would rarely come in unless they were dragged in there by their wives who threatened. uh, You know, if you don't see him, then we're going to have a divorce or something like that. Even athletes. I remember a few professional golfers who were dragged in by their wives who said if you don't talk to dr jack i'm leaving you know and that's the bad way to get, have a relationship with someone is i don't want to be here but my wife told me i have to be here so, so men tend to have a much more resistance to getting involved with emotions and their thoughts and their feelings than women do and that's sad uh, it's not that women have more problems they just find it more easy to deal with those problems and men need to break down those barriers and be able to be vulnerable with someone who's very supportive, including friends who can be very supportive. So I make sure that I'm surrounded with a lot of men, and they know that I'm not going to analyze them. All I'm going to do is encourage them and be positive and be healthy with them. And everyone needs to find people like that. And I need people like that in my life as well.
1: You know, Jack, I grew up in a family where all all the important discussions were around the table. And at the end of the conversation it would be and you know, nothing ever leaves this table. Nothing leaves this house. And I grew up really um, in a fear of transparency. And you know, our business now, we really um, are very transparent. That's what I love about what we do. And so transparency in business and being able to have that transparency in one's personal life, I think is so critical. But so many of us have been taught and told nothing leaves this house, you know. And so I think it's hard. There's
0: something wrong with being open and vulnerable and you don't want other people to know about it. That's an unfortunate message. And one of the things that I recall when I first met you that you do in your practice is that you attract female clients. And that's so important because the research shows that within a year after a woman loses her husband, 70% of those women fire their financial advisors who are usually men. And they fire them because those advisors really did not give the right time of day to the female part of that equation. They, they had meetings with just the men, assuming the men made all the decisions. Or if they had a joint meeting, the eye contact was never with the woman or she felt uncomfortable asking questions. And it's so important that in fact, there's a chapter in my book for advisors on how to uh, attract and retain female clients. It's all about the psychology of women and understanding what you need to do and how to treat them. And your company has always been focused on that, which I really respect.
1: Thank you very much. And, you know, it has been such a good journey for us because we did start out so focused on women and, As our our business now is about 56% referral business, and these couples now refer their friends and their family. And so the majority of our business now are just the most wonderful, married, happy, happily married clients. And, you know, Jack, you you talked a little bit, and now in saying that, I think I've always felt that you're going to attract into your life what you are and who you are. And I think that that's a big, a big piece of what you're saying is to have that, uh, what did you call it? Uh, your mindset. And I think right. people just feel like it's my mindset. It's what I was born with. But the truth of it is that you can change anything at any time with what you call self-talk.
0: Yeah, you can. And, um, you know, someone wrote a book called Minds. The woman who invented the term Mindset wrote a book on it. And it really showed through all of her research at Stanford that people can actually change their mindset so many people thought you know this is part of my DNA, this is the way I was brought up. yeah this is the way you were brought up, but most of what you are is what you say to yourself and you can always change what you say to yourself, so we can change the mindset. If you think about an Olympic athlete, for example, uh, and uh, what's the difference between someone who wins the gold medal and someone who wins the bronze medal. Uh, which is two steps away, and it may be only a hundredth of a second different. Why didn't that person who won the bronze medal win the gold? The difference is the mindset. There's something in the mindset of the person who didn't win gold that produced a negative before that event took place. Either they were worried about what lane am I in if it was a race, or they're worried about the competition, or they're worried about what their coach is going to say if they don't do well that's enough to slow down your body because of what I said before, the mind-body connection. So it's always the mindset that we can take charge of and change that will determine the heights to which you achieve. Um, And, you know, a famous professional speaker along with me uh, on the speaker's tour for many years named Zig Ziglar said, it's not your aptitude, but your attitude that determines your altitude. So, (laughs) That's really the key is that you can go as far as you want. If you just realize what you're saying to yourself that has been inhibiting you all of this time, you can change the mindset. Anybody can do that.
1: Well, I have to laugh because I was golfing yesterday and I got up to one hole that just had a lot of sand. And I kept saying, Oh, that sand. Where do you think I went? Into the sand.
0: Right. And here's the (laughs) oh, there's another reason for that that you're going to find fascinating. This, you know, I use with with all of my clients, whether they're athletes or whatever, they don't have to be athletes, I make hypnotic recordings for them to start changing their mindset for them. And one of the reasons is that psychologically, Karen, when you say something negative to yourself, like I hope I don't hit it into the sand trap, your brain doesn't process the don't part. It only processes the rest of the sentence. So your brain is processing. I hope I hit it into the sand trap. That's why you hit it into the sand trap. So we have to teach people to get negative words out of their language that they're giving themselves. And through hypnotic recordings, I teach them how to do that.
1: You've probably just made a whole lot of golfers out there happy. Good. It's either either the sand or the water.
0: <laughs> right, it's, it's not their fault it's the things that they're saying to themselves. So when you're facing the sand or the water, you say to yourself, I've done this before. I know how to do this. I can visualize the ball gliding over that place and pick your target and visualize it. And then you have a huge probability of success.
1: My guest today is Dr. Jack Singer. And as I said, he's a professional sports psychologist for more than 27 years. He is transitioning all for many, many years now, all the things that he learned in sports and working with athletes and in that high intense training, how he can help all of us to have a better stress-free life. And with that, um, grab a pencil. We're gonna give you some information on Jack's books and how you can reach him and his website as we get back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Dr. Jack Singer, and he is a psychologist who's been giving us some amazing tips. Even he's helped out my golf game today for heaven's sakes. (laughs) But you know, um, I think there are so many, people that get caught up in what you were talking about a little bit earlier. And I'd like to talk a little more about that is that what if and um, I loved what you said, just ask yourself, what is the worst thing that can happen? And take that whole what if what if, because that is it really, as you're talking about it is a core reason that people don't listen to their intuition, they let the mayor stop them. And they have regrets later in life. Why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? Or, um, and so if we could talk a little bit more about that, I think sure. it would be great.
0: Sure. I, as I was mentioning, I think the two worst words ever put together in the English language, Karen, are what if, because it's almost always followed by some kind of negative thought. So your body starts sending out chemicals to prepare your, yourself for danger and those chemicals are not healthy because part of what they do is they shut off the immune system so all your energy in your body can be used to fight off the danger, which doesn't exist. So if you get upset in traffic and you say bad things to yourself, if you have a teenager that's giving you a problem and you say negative things to yourself, if you're having problems in a relationship, if you're having troubles in business, this can happen 30, 40 times a day. If you're doing that each time, each time you're squirting adrenaline into your body, which is not healthy, the adrenaline is only there if there's danger and you're squirting all of these other um, chemicals into your body and it's breaking down your immune system. That's why people get sick. And in fact, so many people complain, now that I think about it, of insomnia, and the reason is that they're thinking negative thoughts when they're going to bed. They're either worried about something that happened or they're worried about something that could happen tomorrow and they're squirting adrenaline into their bloodstream. Adrenaline makes you alert so you can fight off danger and not you don't wanna fall asleep if someone's pointing a gun at you. So it makes you <laughs> alert. So if people are constantly squirting adrenaline into their bloodstream because they're worried about things, that's why they can't fall asleep. It's as simple as that. You don't need sleeping pills and things like that. You need to stop thinking negatively, especially around bedtime. So yes, it's always the thoughts that determine the actions that will follow both behaviorally and emotionally and now physiologically as well. So we want to keep those chemicals from being produced. So one of the ways to do that is laughing. When you laugh, you produce endorphins, which are positive chemicals that make you feel wonderful. And so doing anything, hanging around people who are funny, when I do my professional speaking, I intersperse it with all kinds of humorous anecdotes and examples. So people are laughing, that rivets their attention to what I'm saying and they're feeling good about it. You can do that with friends, with relatives who are funny. Uh, I was fortunate because I grew up with a hysterically funny father and I developed my sense of humor from him. And, um, and and we were always laughing around the dinner table. And he would he could have been a famous comedian if he wanted to do that, <laughs> because he was funnier than anyone I ever saw on TV. And so I developed that sense of I need to keep people laughing, including myself to stay healthy. But one of the things I can do right now for your listeners is I can teach them my five minute mental toughness routine. You want me to teach them that? Uh,
1: would you please? OK,
0: so this is a routine that takes five minutes or less, and um, it's hugely successful. Uh, Everybody from athletes to doctors, to uh, lawyers, to uh, business people, to salespeople have commented to me that thank you for your five-minute mental toughness routine because it really dug me out of a hole extremely quickly. So this is a routine that anytime you're feeling a negative emotion like depression or anxiety or worry or fear, or stressed whatever that is to you the first thing you need to do is recognize step 1 is recognize what was i just thinking about what did i just say to myself and once you realize that say it to yourself again but this time have a rubber band on your wrist the thick kind that come in the mail it's called a number 64 rubber band so it sits loosely on your wrist and as soon as you start saying that negative statement, statement, I'll give you an example. Someone's watching TV, they see the market is down 800 points. They start feeling anxious. So step one, I'm anxious. What was I thinking? I'm thinking, what if my portfolio never recovers? Okay, now get that rubber band on your wrist. And step two, say it to yourself again. But before you finish the statement, snap the rubber band. That will get your attention. And if you, the statement keeps coming back, keep snapping until your brain says, okay, I don't wanna feel this pain and it'll stop the thought. So step one is stop the thought dead in its tracks. Step two, we need to relax and calm the body down now. So the best way to do that is breathing through your diaphragm. The way you do that is you breathe in through your nose to the count of four, you hold it for four seconds, and then you breathe out to the count of seven and you know you're breathing the right way if you fold your hands over your stomach and your hand your stomach expands when you breathe in and contracts when you breathe out that's diaphragmatic breathing that every professional singer and musician learns how to do when you breathe out it's like you're blowing through a straw to the count of seven that will calm your body down from this thought so you've stopped the thought First you've recognized the thought, then you've stopped the thought, then you do breathing to relax yourself. And the next step is you ask yourself the following kinds of questions. What is the probability that the thing I was worried about is really gonna happen? Because the market went down 800 points, is my portfolio ruined forever? What's the probability of that? Have I ever been in this experience before that the portfolio get ruined forever? Most people will figure out that what they were worried about has a low probability of occurring. And once you recognize that it's unlikely to happen, the last step is, is replace that thought with a healthy thought. So that if the thought was before was, what if my portfolio never recovers? The healthy thought is, I trust and believe in Karen and all of her associates and what they've told me in the past. And when the market has dropped before and even though I'm not happy about this happening, it's only temporary and it will get better. So there you have it. You can do all of that in five minutes. You can do it in your car on the way to the office. You can do it at home. You can do it on vacation. Any time you have a negative emotion, those little steps will stop it dead in its tracks.
1: You know, I love the idea of having something physical to wake you up. Right. The rubber band, you could just if you find that you're in this what I call a situational depression, like I actually felt myself with this crazy knee. Um, I could just snap that and go through that very, and I would guess that you get better and better and easier and easier at it. And it's nothing more at some point than snapping it and changing the thought.
0: Absolutely. And if you don't want to have a rubber band, because you're with company or you're at a, with golf partners, and you don't want them to ask why you're snapping a rubber band, you can pinch yourself, you can slap your thigh you can do things that are unobtrusive doesn't have to be a rubber band but something that will get your attention because there's a bit of chakra and awe involved in it and you want to stop negative thoughts before they get completed
1: you know jack we could do a whole another show we've only got about a minute and a half but when my friend did this um, um after care for COVID because he was having all these symptoms um, he had to fill out all these forms and there were hundreds, literally a 100 and some questions. And he sat back and over 60% of the questions were psychological and emotional. And so what you're saying about health and what you're saying, I think is very evident in in the way they're approaching it. So many people, it's the self talk. And if we can just change that self talk, if we can change our mindset, if we can, um, as I said, um, you know, we can't complain instead of asking ourselves, why me? Um, what's next?
0: Right, exactly. And that's really what you have to do. And so I'd like to be able to give out information on how people can. Yes, with me. please do. Okay. So again, the name is Dr. Jack Singer. The email address is drjack at That's A-D-V-I-S-O-R-S.com. Uh, phone number 949-510-5660. I am a professional speaker. So I speak at conferences and in businesses and so forth. And I also have a limited number of coaching openings where I do private confidential coaching. And uh, because these are your valued listeners, I will give a free coaching session to anybody who calls uh, and sets that up with me. You can have the first session for free. There's no obligation to continue, but I'll be able to answer any questions you have. So how's that?
1: And your number again is
0: 949-510-5660. If you call, most likely you'll hear my voicemail. Just leave a message clearly with your number and I'll call back. Or send me an email at drjack at advising the advisors.com.
1: And And Dr. Dr. Jack has great books out there in the local bookstores and your website is
0: www.drjacksinger.com.
1: Perfect. And uh, I can vouch, Jack, is absolutely wonderful. But I'm sure that you have picked that up in our conversation today. So as always, and I have to just remember always what I say, I hope that I make a difference in your personal and financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great weekend. Bye-bye.